Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 37. 27, I'm sorry. Genesis 11, starting in verse... 27. Back on Christmas, we finished up the book of 1 Peter here. And uh, before we started the book of 1 Peter, we, start, we were going through the book of Genesis. Now, Genesis is 50 chapters. And so I didn't want to spend two years with nothing but Genesis. <laughs> so we're taking it as units. And the first thing we looked at was Genesis 1 through 11. That's everything about Genesis up until the time of Abraham. So we're going to now pick up where we left off in Genesis, and we're going to begin with the life of Abraham. But before we do, I kind of want us to remind, to remember where we've been. Um, Genesis begins... God created the world. God created everything good. He created the stars and the sun and the moon. And He created the waters and the land. He created the the trees and the birds and the fish. He created all of the animals. And He created as the pinnacle of His creation human beings. Male and female. The word says, in his image. And everything was paradise. It was set up to be perfect. And God gave Adam and Eve just one rule. Right? Just one rule. Do not eat from the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat it, you will die. Everything was perfect. It was a perfect, harmonious place. And then we have trouble that comes. We have trouble that comes because a serpent somehow got into the garden. A serpent, this wily old snake, gets into the garden and he tempts Eve and Adam. And they disobey the one command that God gave them to do. They ate of that tree. And in the moment they did, they realized that they were naked. And they were ashamed. Shame had never been a part of the human experience. No no one had ever experienced shame before. And the moment that they disobeyed God, they began to have shame. You and I know what shame is like. You and I know what shame is like. We have all sinned. We have all broken God's laws. And we have felt shame. God saw what they had done. He came down among them and and He confronted Adam and Eve on what they had done. And He... um, You know the story. You're going to come down to it. He pronounced a curse. He cursed 
the ground. He, he, he cursed the snake first. He cursed the serpent. He said, you know, he, the ser- serpent was going to crawl on its belly, right? And he, he said he would put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The descendants of Eve and the descendants, the seed of the serpent. And he also brought in, as a part of this curse, there was a a, a twisting and a distortion of the relationship between man and woman. Where there was supposed to be harmony among people, now there was distrust and there there was rebellion and there was all kinds of distortion that was brought in and it, it is not the way it's supposed to be. And if we've had any kind of human relationships, we know how painful it can be because of sin being entered into the world. And God also cursed the land. He cursed the ground so that it would no longer just produce things for us to eat, but we would have to labor and toil It would be a hard work. We'd have to earn our our living by the sweat of our brow. And there was frustration and there's futility in our labor. We were made to work. We were made in the good garden in perfection to work. And our work would be satisfying and rewarding. But instead, because of the curse, our work is futile. Those of us who work for a living can, can relate to that too. So sin broke in, came into the world and so did death and sickness and futility and conflict and all of these things because of sin. But God gave a promise in the midst of that. He promised that one day there would be a descendant of Eve. There would be a seed of the woman who would come and who would crush the serpent's head. Sorry, Amanda. He would crush the serpent's head. That was the original gospel in the Old Testament. That one day, a descendant of Eve, a human being would come and he would destroy the works of Satan. We see in the very next generation, we see Cain and Abel. Again, we see this distortion in human relationships. There should have been harmony. They were brothers. They were supposed to love one another just as we are called to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And instead, you have Cain becoming jealous. And he killed his brother. And God cursed Cain. You see these curses. God cursed the serpent. He cursed the ground. He cursed Cain. And we see generation after generation after generation coming into the world. And it says a person lived so many years and he died. So many years and he died. Reminding us of how how the consequence of sin bringing into the world is every generation dies. Death came through sin. Until one day, Lamech had a child. Lamech had a child and he said, I'm going to name this one Noah. Because Noah 
For those of you who might not know, Noah means rest. And he said, maybe this one will be the one who will come and he'll give us rest from our toil and labor. Lamech was looking at his son, Noah, and thought, maybe this one will be the one who was the seed of the woman. Who's going to give us late rest from our labor and our toil? He thought, maybe Noah will be the one who's going to reverse the curse. But we don't see that happen. Noah was ten generations after Adam. And Noah is a kind of a, a new Adam. We see a, a destruction of the whole world through the flood. The whole world is destroyed and we're starting all over again fresh with a new Adam like Noah. And we get past the flood and Noah offers a sacrifice and the Lord, it says, He smells the sweet aroma of the sacrifice and and. He says, no longer will I curse. No, it, no it, never again will I curse man because of his sin. So he's never going to send a, a flood again. He's never going to curse the ground again because of, his, because of man. So again, we have a curse. We have God's curse on the serpent. God's curse on the uh, the ground God's curse on the on Cain and then God will no longer curse the ground because of man Am I can't missing any Got one two three four okay oh then so we have another curse. So right after, right after the, the, the flood, right after the flood, Noah, he, he makes this covenant with God and we think everything's going to be like restored to normal, right? Wrong. Because what happens in the very next generation? You've got Noah and all, all, all the people in the whole world were Noah, his family, his sons and their families. And you have... One of his sons, Noah gets drunk, okay? Noah gets drunk. He passes out in his tent naked. Just like Adam and Eve realized they were naked and they were shamed. Noah passes out in his tent drunk naked. And his son comes in and he shames him. Text is ambiguous. We don't know what that means, but whatever it is, he shamed his father. He, did, he was disrespectful to his father. So Noah, when he realizes what has happened, he said, cursed be Canaan. He didn't curse the son who did it. Ham was the name of the son who did it. Ham's son was Canaan. That's important. After the flood... God tells them again. He repeats the same kind of, 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 uh, of plan that He gave to 
Adam and Eve at the beginning. He said, go and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what do the people decide to do? They gather together in one place because they don't want to be dispersed. And they decide they're going to build a tower. And they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be famous. How many of us are tempted by fame? You don't have to be a celebrity to want to be tempted by fame. You can just have a Facebook account with lots of followers. They wanted to have a name for themselves. And God, He put an end to that plan. He confused their language and made them disperse up into the ends of the earth, didn't He? We have all of this going on in the first 11 chapters of Genesis up to this point. And, and then we're given a couple of gene, uh, three gene, genealogies. The genealogy of Ham, the genealogy of Japheth, and the genealogy of Shem. Which, by the way, Shem means name. They, they wanted to make a name for themselves. We're, we're, we're ending here with the genealogy of Shem, which means name. And we lead up into the genealogy of Shem and we end this genealogy with the 10th generation. Noah was like a second Adam. He was the 10th generation from Adam. Mike, you're going to like this. Mike understands God does appreciate numbers. (laughs) He likes mathematics. Mike and I have talked about this. Tenth generation from Adam was Noah. Tenth generation from Noah was Abraham. And here we're again again, starting over again. Humanity is spread out all over the earth. And here we are following the line of the seed of the woman. Contrasted with people like Cain, people like Ham and Canaan, who were the seed of the serpent, who were the people who opposed God. And you follow the line of Shem down to a man named Abraham who was was carrying the seed, the descendants of of Eve from which the Messiah would come. And so we come to our text tonight. Genesis chapter 11 beginning in verse 27. You can read on the screen with me or you can follow along in the Bible. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his, son's, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. 
The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Aran. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all of their possessions they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he had moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we come expecting to hear from you. Lord, I don't want to get up here and just share my thoughts. As the preacher, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from your word. And that is what we desire. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray that you would make our hearts willing to obey you. Open our eyes so that we can understand what your word is saying to us. Help us, Lord, to delight in your law. Father, give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We pick up where we left off. There's a couple of details I want to point out out here. We're following the line of Shem, the, the line that seems to be the one that's carrying the messianic seed, the seed of the woman, the one that's going to come and crush the serpent's head. And we come to the end of that where it says Terah. He had these three sons, right? One of them dies back in Ur before they ever leave home. Haran decides he's going he's to leave Ur. Joshua tells us that back in Ur, Terah and, and Abraham and all of them, they, all, they were just worshiping other gods. Joshua tells us that. Before they left Ur, they were worshiping other gods. But somehow God moves in their hearts and they leave that land. And, they're leaving, and, and Haran, he, he never gets to really see it. He dies before they get there. They, they settled in a place called Haran. And it's left there with Abram and his wife and Lot. Lot is Abram's nephew. 
And notice something. At this point in the narrative, it tells us with emphasis here, Sarai, that's Abram's wife, was barren. We didn't see a lot of that before, did we? It was usually this person had a son, they lived so many years, and he died. This person had a son, they lived so many years, and he died. This person lived, he had a, lived so many years, he had a son, and he died. But this narrative tells us Sarai was barren. That ought to jump out at us. We need to see that. Sarai was barren. Now, we've got to remember, this is carrying forward the line of the seed. There's got to be a descendant here. There's got, to be, there's got to be someone who will be that seed of the woman that we're looking forward to. The one who will be the Messiah. And yet, Sarai is barren. And then if that's not enough emphasis, he says, she had no child. Like, we didn't know what it means to be barren. We had to emphasize it again. She was barren. She had no child. It was strong. She had no child. There's a threat here to the Messianic line. We're seeing here, this is the line that's leading to the Savior, that's leading to the Messiah, the one who is going to come and crush Satan. But she was barren. She had no child. So, Abram, they, they, they leave that land of Haran and they go to the land of Canaan. That's important. Who was cursed before? Ham's son, Canaan. Ham's son, Canaan, was cursed because of his mistreatment, his, his, mis, uh, his uh, dis, disrespect of his father. And so... One of the things in that curse was that, that Canaan would be a servant in the house of Shem. So we got the Canaanites are the ones who are inhabiting the land. And we have this descendant of Shem that's going in. He's coming into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years. Terah died in Haran. Now, here we pick up in chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your kindred, your father's house to a land that I will show you. He's given this command. Go. Go. Leave everything behind. Last week we had someone in this congregation that was here with us that might understand something of what that was like. Jenny was with us. She's from the Philippines. She left everything behind and she came here to a foreign land not knowing what she would find. Okay? But it's different than that. I mean, I mean we're not talking about Abraham leaving, a land, leaving his home to come to a place like the United States where everything is so plentiful and rich and everything. God is telling Abraham, Abram to leave his country his net of security, right? He's leaving his family, the people who we depend on. And leave them and go to a land that I'll show you. He's not even telling him where he's going to go. He's just, to a land that I'll show you. Just trust me. Just trust me. 
what God tells Abram. He's calling Abram to step out and follow him and believe in him, not knowing all the details. So what would you do? Put out a fleece like Gideon? Well, if God, if you do this, then, then I'll know it's really you. And no, we don't see any kind of testing God or anything like that. What we see here is God says, go, and it goes. It's like that same voice that said, let there be a light. And there was light. God calling into existence something that didn't exist before. And God said to Abram, go. And he went. That obedience that we see. God called that into existence. Something that didn't exist before. He called it by his word into existence. And he gives Abram a promise. He says, go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house that I will, to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, one. I will bless you, two. And make your name great, three. So that you will be a blessing, four. I will bless those who bless you, five. I will, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, Six, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Seven, Mike, you're going to love this sermon. <laughs> Mike and I have talked about the mathematics of the Bible. Seven is it's a number of completeness, right? It's a, it's a number of perfection. God gives no, uh, Abram seven promises. Not to mention this. Here's another added bonus here. There were five curses before, right? Curse on the serpent. Curse on the land. Curse on Cain. Curse as the flood. And God says, I'll never curse the ground again because of man. And there was a curse on Canaan. Listen to this. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And dishonor, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Five. There were five curses that were overwhelmingly balanced out, overwhelmed by the five blessings. You're going to really like this sermon, Mike. All right, we got some numbers going here. Let's look at each of these things. And I will make of you a great nation. And Abram's got to be thinking, how? He ain't got no kids. My wife is barren. She has no child. I'm 75 years old. How am I going to have any kids? But God tells Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. We've seen in the story of Genesis 11, God 
in the genealogy of those sons of Noah, he makes all the nations out of those out of that one man, Noah. And when you count up all the nations in that genealogy, there's 70 nations. 70 nations. God promises Abram that he's going to make him a great nation. We know the end of the story. You get to the end of Genesis and you have 70 sons of Abram going down into Egypt. Woo! <laughs> Mike, you're going to love this sermon. <laughs> oh, man. you got 70 sons. So, it's complete again. God's going to be, keep His promise. To the world, it looks impossible. How's a barren woman with no child going to be the mother of many nations? God keeps a promise. With God, all things are possible. He will keep His promise. I'm going to make of you a blessing, a, a, a great nation, and I will bless you. Abraham's going to be blessed. We see this over and over again in this text. Bless, 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 bless. He's not going to curse him. He's going to bless him. And I'm going to make your name great. Ooh, here's another thing. At the Tower of Babel, they said, we want to make a name for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. God says, you're not going to make a name for yourselves. To Abraham, Abram, Abram, God says, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make a great name for you. And we follow that line down. We all know Abram. He's famous. And he had a son, Isaac, who had a son, Jacob, who had 12 sons, and one of those was Judah. And we follow that line down. We get to Matthew chapter 1. It says that Jesus was the son of David, the son of Abram. And Jesus is the name above all names. We sang about it. All hail the power of Jesus' name. God keeping His promise that He was going to send a descendant of Eve, a descendant of Noah, a descendant of Abraham who was going to be a blessing to all nations. God made a name for Abram. So that you will be a blessing. God blesses Abraham for a reason. God blesses Abraham so that not so that it just stays with Abraham, Abram. I keep calling him Abraham. That's not yet. Happens later. God blesses Abraham so that he will be a blessing to others. God has blessed us in Christ so that we will then go on mission and bless others. So that you will be a blessing. He blesses Abraham. He's going to make his name great He's going to, so that he'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
and I will and him who dishonors you I will curse. There's a real distinction here. There's a distinction. Are you going to be the one who aligns yourself with Abram, the one who has faith in the Lord? Are you going to be a person who aligns yourself with the seed of the woman? Or are you going to be a person who aligns yourself with the seed of the serpent and be one who curses Abram? Choose you this day who you will serve, right? Are you going to bless Abraham? Are you going to bless his descendant Jesus? Are you going to confess his name? as the name above all names, or will you curse Him? Will you ignore Him? And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose for calling out Abram was more than just for Abram. God's calling on Abram was more than just to bless those people around him. God's purpose for calling out Abram from Ur of the Chaldees, where his ancestors and even himself worshipped other gods before. The reason why God was going to pull Abram out of that was so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we fast forward and we see Jesus command to His disciples at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, all the families of the earth. That blessing to Abraham that he would be a blessing to all nations continues on with the mission of Christians in this era. It goes on, it continues with the mission of this church. We talked about our mission as Redeemer Baptist Church. We want to communicate the gospel to those who have not heard. That is a part of fulfilling this blessing to all the families of the earth. We've been blessed in Christ. He has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to go from darkness into light so that we will be a blessing. So that we will communicate that saving gospel of Jesus to a world that's lost and dying without Him. So that the families of the earth will be blessed. That's our seven. Then we go on. So... Abraham went. Well, I had a kind of a pause there. <laughs> God tells Abram, go. And he went. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. And Lot with him. Abraham was 75. Odds aren't looking good here. Wife's barren. No child. 75 years old. God, are you going to keep this promise? He was 75 when he departed Haran. 
And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. There's been a lot of discussion about this. The people that they had acquired in Haran. Is it saying Abram was a slave owner? The text doesn't tell us that. We're assuming that. If we're thinking that, we're assuming that. Here's another option. Abram had become a worshiper of the true God. Abram was already bringing people into fellowship with the true God. And all the people who acquired, who are people who were aligning themselves with the seed of the woman. We don't know. But he had people who were with him. It wasn't just Abram, but he was affecting his whole household. And by his household, it was not just his blood relatives, but it was others who were aligning themselves with him and thus aligning themselves with the Messianic promise. And at that time, oh wait, no. And when they came, I'm sorry. The people that they acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Now here's another problem. She's barren. She has no child. He's 75 years old. And the land that God promised him is already taken. It's the land of Canaan. Canaanites are there. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. We've got a repetition here. Canaan, Canaan, Canaanites were in the land. There's a problem here. God's promising that He's going to give this land to Abram, but the Canaanites are there. There's a problem. What do we notice happens here? He came to the Oak of Morath. What's significant about that? He came to this tree. What? Right? You're reading along in the Bible, and he, comes, he came to the Oak of Morath. He came to this tree. What's significant about coming to a tree? <laughs> the Canaanites were idol worshipers. The Canaanites... You know, they, they worship things like Asherah poles. These, these, like a totem pole or something like that. It's built up there. It's their idol. It's their God. And you've got this shrine to Baal. You've got this shrine to all these Canaanite gods at the Oak of Moreh. And within the site of that shrine, Abram, he's traveling there and it says, the Lord appeared to over Abram I'm sorry. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. What are you going to do when you walk into that place that's surrounded in mosques? You know what Abraham did? Abram did? He built an altar to the Lord. <laughs> But here, I don't want to miss this. And, and the Lord said to Abram, appeared to Abram, he appeared to him. Whoa, I almost missed that. 
He appeared to him. There's something about him, him seeing the Lord here. He appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. A couple of things we need to see here. First of all, to your offspring. Again, where are the kids at? <laughs> She's barren, no child, 75 years old. God promises to your offspring I'm going to give this land. Offspring. Same word, seed. There's an emphasis on the seed. The seed of Abraham. Because we've been following along this story about Genesis all along from the very third chapter and it said there was going to be a seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. This is the line we're following here. God promised Abram that his seed, his descendants, would have this land. So, Abram believed God. It may look like this is Canaanite land. It may look like this is pagan city. But Abram built an altar. Because he believed God. That is kind of like in World War II. This is, came from a commentary. It's like, kind of like in World War II when the American soldiers were over there in Iwo Jima and they put up an American flag. <laughs> this is not our land, but we're putting up a flag. <laughs> Right? That's what Abram did. Abram did. This may look like pagan land, but he put up a flag. You know, he built an altar. And this land is God's. He's claiming territory for God. Then, from there, he moved to the hill country in the east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He's traveling around Canaan land, filled with Canaanites, filled with idol worshipers. And what's he going to do again? He comes to this place, he builds an altar. He comes to this place, he builds an altar. No matter what everybody else thinks, this land is God's land. Then, not only did he build an altar, did he call upon the name of the Lord. Okay? Back in those days, the, the pagans, they thought, you know, the gods were just territorial deities. And you've got a god for this place and a god for that place and a god for that place. Abram was following around here, traveling around, sojourning in this land of pagans. But he called upon the name of the Lord. Not on the gods of all the nations, but he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. He kept sojourning, kept sojourning, going to the Negev. The Negev is in the south. The word Negev means south. It's in the southern part. And uh, in the next chapter... Verse 18 says, So Abram moved his tent and came and settled. This is where he's in the Negev. Came and settled by the Oaks of Memra. Oaks of Memra. Oaks of Memra. There wasn't just one pagan shrine. There was the Oaks of Memra. 
where they were worshiping idols, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. What's Abram doing whenever he sees all these idols? He builds an altar. The mission of Redeemer Baptist Church. We seek to worship God in biblical simplicity. To serve our community by meeting tangible needs. To communicate the gospel to those who have not heard and to have Christ at the center of all we do. Right? What did Abraham do? He didn't worship like the pagans did. He worshiped in biblical simplicity. All right, I may be twisting things here. (laughs) He worshiped the true God. He built an altar. He didn't bow down to those idols. He worshiped the way God wanted him to. and, And we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs, right? Why did God save Abram? So that he would be a blessing to others. Right? So that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Why do we want to serve our community by meeting tangible needs? Because we want to be a blessing to our community. Even if they don't trust in Jesus, we want them to be blessed because that's why God saved us. We want this community to be a better place because he put Redeemer Baptist Church right here. Communicating the gospel to those who have not heard. This passage is about the gospel. It is. The seed of the woman was going to come and crush the serpent's head. The seed finally came in Matthew and in the gospels. He finally came. That one that God promised that Abraham that he would have, one day came. And he crushed Satan's head. He died on a cross and he rose again so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could be included in God's people. No longer alienated from God, but we are blessed among all the families of the earth. And to have Christ at the center of all we do. I think we can see that one. This text is about Abram and his travel plans. And it's about Jesus. Isn't it? It's about Jesus. The promise that God gave to Abram was finally fulfilled when Jesus came. It was the seed of the woman who came and he crushed the serpent's head. Did you know that was in there? We're going to follow through the life of Abram. And uh, we're going to see how Abram was a blessing to those around him. We're going to see how though he never actually obtained and possessed the promised land, he believed God. He believed God. And you know what? One other thing. The land was promised 
to Abraham's seed. Now, I know that a lot of prophecy teachers say that means the Jews are going to have the land of Israel in modern times, okay? And maybe that's so, but I think the primary focus of this text is say it all belongs to Abraham's seed, Jesus. The world belongs to Jesus, Abraham's son, the seed of Abraham. And those who are in Christ belongs to those who are in Christ, to believers. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The word earth and the word land in Hebrew are the same word. He promised that the meek believers, those who trust in the promised seed, will inherit the earth. And he promised those who are persecuted believers, who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, will inherit the kingdom, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Abram was expanding the kingdom of God, right? He was, he was taking the kingdom of God and he was laying a stake in the ground saying, this is God's land. And when we're persecuted for righteousness, we, remi- we are reminded that we are possessors of the kingdom. So, this isn't just fulfilled in biological, ethnic Israel. This is fulfilled as believers who are in Christ. We're on, one day, we're going we're gonna to possess the world. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And we're going to reign with Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.